you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Oh, the DDFP Freeform Summer rolls on. A lot of good long-form interviews we've been doing of late. Go back and check out the one we did with Ross Tucker. We had David Carr in the other day. That was positively grand. Coming up next week, we have comedian Steve Byrne. He hails from the great city of Pittsburgh, PA, a.k.a. the City of Champions. And uh, today, seated to my immediate left, this figures to be great stuff. I've wanted the kibitz with this fella for quite some time. And uh, thanks to Head & Shoulders, he sits with us right now. Let's go a deep dive with one of the legitimately, I, I think it's used perhaps a little bit too much, uh, but, it, but truly an inspirational tale if there is one in 21st century sports. It's uh, late from USC, long snapper you saw him out on the field you certainly saw the highlights of him doing it uh in his few chances out there with the usc trojans it's jake olson what's happening man how Thank are you, you so much for having me dave yeah and uh, so first question what's it like being the young brother of greg olson you uh, guys are you guys are you know, you guys look exactly alike it's 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 really it's been hard growing up in uh his his shadows uh-huh. um you know him being a you know nfl tight end and all well, you're both hands I'm, I'm just a long snapper and so it's it's difficult however i've i've tried to make a name for myself beyond uh living again as his uh younger brother and so hopefully people can recognize that well what's cool about it is is that you've already decided i'm not gonna live in his shadow because he goes with the he goes with the e he goes o-l right you know s-e-n you're like i'm gonna do different yeah i had to change that Uh uh-huh right before right before i went blind i said you know what? i'm gonna probably be a famous blind guy so i need to change 
my last name from an E-N to an O-N, make sure people don't get me confused with with, uh, with Greg there, you know? You would think that that would be enough to stand I, out, but no, you're like, I'm go- I am just in case, I'm going to go with an O instead of yeah. an E in my surname. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Greg chooses to go blind here soon and, you know, mm-hmm. tries to take some of my, sh- my, my uh, spotlight, you know? I get you. I get you, yeah. Like it's a one-upsmanship. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, okay, well, best wishes to him because he's returning from injury. So, <laughs> you know, he's he's facing some adversity. But how about you, man? Let's uh, let's talk about I, I, the reason I really want to talk to you is because I feel like you can provide some insights and we'll get into some Pac-12 talk here. I want you to be the DDFP. If you're if you're down to do it, let's see if you like me enough to want to ever <laughs> see me once again. But what about being the Pac-12 whisperer for us? Yeah, I mean, if you uh, if you trust me enough to be, I mean, uh, you can also be. How about this? The NFC West whisperer. There we well. go. I, I like I like that as well. No, I'll be I'll be all West Coast. We're kind of underrepresented in the uh, national media market, so maybe I can bring some light onto the, what actually happens here on the West Coast. First question. Well, that's right. Do you feel like there's a chip on the shoulder? Do you do you wear the chip on the shoulder Absolutely. that a lot of West Coast people do? That like we're disrespecting. Absolutely. Absolutely. But my, to be fair, the Pac-12 has not been as good. Well, here's here's my point with the Pac-12, and I don't, I don't want to get too much into this, but my point— I want you to get it. Okay, well, here's my point with the Pac-12 over the last, really, I guess, 10, you know, 10, 15 years, and that is you look at some of these other teams, and forget just the whole depth argument. People have all different metrics for, you know, which—, which Conference goes deeper in talent. But my point is with the, with, with the Pac-12, year in, year out, we provide more quarterback and more kind of talent than more head coach talent than the other conferences. That's true at and, this point, And because right. of that, I think in the SEC, you can kind of get to a point where, one, your defense doesn't have to adjust week by week of playing all the different systems that a lot of intelligent head coaches bring and a lot of different systems intelligent quarterbacks bring. On top of that, you can kind of play to to a point where if you are close in a fourth quarter, you can wait for the other quarterback to make a mistake. You know, if you're, if Mississippi state finds themselves in a close game or if Alabama finds themselves in a close game or LSU finds itself in a close game, more times than not, the other team's going to make that mistake in the fourth quarter. When you're in the close game in the pack 12, we beat each other. So much because NFL or these, these quarterbacks that end up in the NFL, like, you know, for instance, uh, you know, uh, for the Rams, um, Goff. Goff, yeah, I'm trying Goff. to run yeah. through them all. No, no, I'm in saying, the league right now. Yeah, just I'm saying, Goff. Like, the, look how good Rosen. Goff is. Look how good Goff has been. It Cal, he it wasn't like Cal was a major team nationally under Goff. Like, no one really respected Cal when Goff was at Cal, but he was a quarterback that could win on any given Saturday, and you had to take him seriously. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a close game with Cal when he's there, you best you best bet your bottom dollar that he's not going to throw. A crucial interception in the fourth quarter that's you're going to barely get out of there up at Berkeley being like, whoo, we barely got out of there. No, I mean, like, that's my point where these other conferences, the other teams don't have to worry about that quarterback play ending up being the finishing touches to a devastating loss. Yeah, I I feel like, yeah, that's the sort of the at least my perception has been over the last 25 years or so is that 
uh, is that the Pac-10, Pac-12 is a sort of the most uh, pro-ready sort of offensive philosophy. I, I know that now the SEC, by a lot, puts the most guys into the right. league, but so many of those guys are, you know, physical specimen, 300-pound right. uh, physical freaks. But, but what you're talking about is the offenses that have been run in the Pac-12, Pac-10 uh, Pac prior to the that. Quarterbacks and coaches. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, really, that what runs the NFL as well. I mean, quarterbacks yeah. and coaches. True enough. So, okay. Now, let's go and I guess as much as we can go back with the start of your story that became over the, I guess, over the last decade, really, more and more people have picked up on it. Um, and, uh, and like I say, have been inspired by it. So, at around 12, you're, are you playing football? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually. I was, um, I was, not not to go back to the original joke, but I actually was playing tight end, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I was playing tight end. And well, of course, you you know, yeah, in center. I was kind of always, you know, I'm a, I'm a big kid, but I was also obviously kind of tall, even though I was lengthy when I was 12. I still was kind of tall and just a bigger kid, and so kind of the offensive line or tight end position was something that seemed to kind of come naturally to me, and so I played uh, just flag football in middle school and beginning my seventh great year in the fall there obviously i found out the news i was gonna have to go blind and so and you're so yeah so it, it's a progressive sort of a thing or a degenerative thing that you are aware you're lucid like this is what is coming and well it was it wasn't degenerative it was more um you know we we, we continued to battle with the cancer throughout my entire childhood and eventually when that cancer came back when i was 12 back in 2009 and it was the cancer's back and we've just run out of options and really we can't cure this cancer to the point where we can get rid of it and not have it be the concern of spreading throughout the rest of your body. And so the removal of the eyes then becomes necessary. So it wasn't, I, I never thought that is where my cancer would have taken me. I, I took my left eye when I was young, but the reason it took my left eye is just because we found it so late, it already progressed. But since I was, you know, getting checked up every six months, every few months in my, you know, rest of my childhood, it was like, okay, if this cancer starts growing, we're going to get it at an early stage and fight it. And so eventually when I was 12, like I said, it came back. And this time it wasn't, there, there wasn't a fight to have anymore. It was, okay, we're going to have to remove your right eye like we did your left. And so it was, it was a shock. I mean, obviously that possibility was there, but it just was a shock. And then from that point of finding out I was going to have to go blind, it was a month and a half until that surgery date was going to come. What is that six weeks for any human being? I, you know, is a, you know, uh, I imagine if you're the 57 year old man that uh, that's uh, that's tough news to take. What does that do for you? Or are you already by that point at the age of 12? Are you, do you feel like. Had you been asking yourself in your lucid years leading up to 12, are you thinking, man, why me? Why did this happen to me even without the uh, the, the second bout? I, I was I was frustrated. I mean, it was obviously very frustrating because I had just fought in 12 years against this cancer. Mm. And, you know, I, I had gone through a lot to beat it. And so to find out I was going to have to lose my right eye anyways, that, I mean, it was really frustrating. Yes, I, I did fight my way through 12 years of being able to see him. I, I'm very appreciative of that. But to be told I was going to have to lose it anyways was was a very tough message. And then, you know, the, the six weeks is tormenting. I mean, there was a lot of nights and days and moments where I couldn't get rid of the thoughts of this is the last time I'm seeing this or this is the last time I'm going to hmm. be able to see that. Um, you know, what's my life going to be like 
imagining closing my eyes trying to do different activities throughout the day like this is what it's going to be like i mean that that kind of tormented me and you know i was very fortunate to have a lot of people around me that supported me obviously coach carroll was one of those people who you know had had the uh, gracious um, grace in his own heart to bring again my family and me up to a practice and make that just a very special fall for us and a lot of other cool things I got to do. I, I got to go play Pebble Beach. I got to, you know, go sit courtside at a Lakers game. So there's a lot of cool things I was actually in these, able to do. In so these in these weeks. sort of the, this six weeks that suddenly becomes all important to you because, like you say, you're trying – I mean, in your 12-year-old mind, I mean, again, nobody – you know, deserves or otherwise, but I mean, for, especially for a kid to, to have to go through that, uh, the, the, the finality, like you say, like, this is the last time I'm going to see this sort of stuff. I I mean, heavy stuff, I imagine for your parents and for, and for you to try and uh, try and grapple with what that's going to be. And was that effective? I mean, do you do you now a decade later kind of look back and say, I still re- those six weeks are special to me because I saw A or B or the court side at the Lakers or whatever it was? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the means behind people doing that for me was is what really sticks with me, just the love and hmm. compassion that people had for me and, and throughout my whole childhood, but again in those six weeks. Um, but from kind of directly answering your question, I think what was really cool is Coach Carroll allowed me to again be completely part of that team back when I was 12 and because of that I got to see what it looked like to drive in the buses to the hotel and to the stadium I got to see what it was like to walk down the Trojan walk and be in the Coliseum and be in the locker room and be in in the practice facilities and be on the um, you know on the practice field so there was so many visual you know memories in my head that I have now that when I was actually a player out there I I will be honest I mean there's there's times where I would think you know hey I remember what this looks like and just kind of picture what it looked like in my mind when I was 12. That is amazing, I can imagine, because, of course, then you go on to do it and you're fully padded up and you're walking out there with uh, whatever 60 or 80 other teammates. And you're uh, are you summoning those? I know exactly what this looks like because I did it. uh, I I did it uh, eight, 10 years ago. Exactly. And I mean, and is it is it a difference maker in, you know, being out there? No, it's not like somehow if I didn't have those memories, I'd be like some, you know, um, you know, some lost guy out there who didn't know which way was up or down but it's just it's 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 just a very cool nice memory to have out there and something that again when thinking of what that coliseum looks like full of people cheering i i know exactly what it looks like boy yeah it's a it's a lot to overcome because i i can't imagine knowing myself as a vain person that i wouldn't feel like why i i i think most human beings would do the why me thing but especially like you say after 12 years that you say this is unjust you know we have fought this and we should be coming out clean on the other side instead we've we've dealt with that every family i suspect in society has dealt with cancer and uh, in my family yeah it's just that that feeling like you got a raw hand, but yeah. the, you know this person in our family has already dealt with this once, and now twice. Why a third time? This uh, this isn't right. 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 But it seems to me, and, and I wonder where you come down on this. I I feel like that there's a certain peace that comes from knowing that because the why me is at the when you're going through it is there are a lot of people in this situation. It was that your experience that there, I am not alone in this, that there are a lot of people who are suffering yeah. uh, similar stuff. No, I mean, I mean, of course that's, that's always, you know, being around people who have experienced difficulty and you can draw inspiration from what those people are doing. And, you know, that's why, 
when I choose to live the way I live, I realize the significance in that and to be able to return that favor that many people provided me back in when I was going through, again, a lot of those dark times and that giving them an example of just the way they live of, hey, just because I'm losing my sight doesn't mean I have to then forfeit on the things I want to do and the things that I love to do. Um, just because I'm losing my sight doesn't mean I have to stop playing football. Um, and so it was really kind of, like you said, people like that who had already been in my position and being around other blind individuals who are just living their lives um, the way they wanted to is what gave me inspiration. Obviously, Coach, mm. Coach Carroll is the same way. And him uh, having his whole, you know, theories on always competing and, you know, win forever and everything like that. That was a lot of influence on me at that young age of, hey, let's not give up here. Let's continue to be headstrong. Let's continue to push forward and absolutely make my mind up right now as a 12-year-old that there's going to be hard times. There's going to be frustration. I'm going to have to relearn how to do a lot of things and there's a lot of uncertainty, but I'm making it in my mind right now that I'm not going to let blindness stop me from living a fulfilling life. Wow. And uh, so what specifically then you say how I choose to live my life? What what uh, specifically uh, does that mean? How do you live your life? Well, again, I mean, for me, it was getting back to being a straight A student in elementary school and high or in middle school and then high school and you know, going to college. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it was being, just remaining in a normal classroom. I mean, you know, a lot of that was a concern of, hey, he's going blind. He's, he used to be the straight A student. Is he going to be in a normal classroom anymore? Like, is he going to have to go be in a classroom where he's going to have to learn slower and, 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 you know, not reach his potential with what his, you know, God-given mind has given him. And I didn't want that to happen to me. I, I wanted to continue to use my mind the way I knew my mind was capable of working. Um, it was continue to play sports and hang out with my friends and do fun things and um, be independent. I mean, there's was, there was a lot of things that, again, I had to, you think about losing your eyesight, had to relearn without my eyesight. And for me, it was in all of that, having, again, that mindset of this is difficult. This is more frustrating. This is challenging. Um, doing, having to work harder than the person next to me. But again, that's, that, that's no excuse for me to go lay on a couch and say, you know, screw it. I'm not going to live this life for me because at the end of the day, sure. People might console you and, and have, you know, say sorry to you. But the only, only person that's really going to suffer at the end of the day because of that is, is me, you know, and, and it's the people that do that because there, there's no satisfaction at the end of the day in doing that. Well, specifically where it comes to football, I can't imagine. I mean, I wasn't allowed to play, you know, and uh, my, my parents, uh, tisk tisk, we, we, we've worked in emergency rooms and we see what happened, you know, and all that kind of uh, rhetoric. Where uh, Was your family, was, was Greg, like, or whoever else, like, hey, this is not a good idea, man. You can't go out onto a football yeah, field. Yeah, no, Greg was definitely, I th- again, I think he <laughs> saw the threat there of me playing football, would, you know, again, would, would also tur- turn the tables on him, right? So. No, but um, definitely my mom, you know, was a little skeptical of just, especially when I got into high school, of playing in a, in a tackle football league then, and obviously playing in a much competitive league, competitive league, um, and especially where I went to high school. And so it was, it was a lot of people that were skeptical of, hey, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't know if there's a position out there for you to begin with. And for me, it was okay, but I still love this game, and I want to find a way to get out there and participate. You know what we have to do if you're free and uh, willing to do this at some point in the coming weeks and months? We got to hook you up with uh, one Adam Carolla. Do you know him? He's a Southern California legend, a comedian fella. Okay. And uh, he also fancies himself a would-be professional long snapper. Okay. And uh, he likes to take all challengers on. Well, it's, it's, he's taken on. He's taken on many others. Sounds and, like sounds like it's a date. 
Yeah, let's do it. You know what? We could get you and you know what? Scott Hansen, the host of Total Access here at uh, at NFL Network, also a long snapper for the Cuse, for Syracuse uh, okay. back in the day. There you go. Maybe we could have a three-way competition. Yeah, you know, no, we how, should do it. Yeah. We get a kicker out here, too, and just, you know, uh, figure out how many how many successful field goals that we can all have. Um, so what is it? Uh, what give us uh, give us a sense of what it's like to go into the the legendary USC locker room and uh, and and uh, you know sort of get to be a fly on the wall for all that stuff. No, I mean it was it was awesome. I mean um, you know obviously as a twelve year old is much different than actually being a player there, um, and it was it was fun when I was a player there as well. I mean it was obviously a job. Um, it's a lot of hard work being a student athlete. It's rewarding, but my four years there, I got. The complete experience, I got a tumultuous freshman season with a coach that got fired halfway through and turmoil. On the, was that on the tarmac? You were there for no, Kiffin? No, oh. I was there for Sark. Oh, for Sark. Okay. Yeah, for Sark my freshman year. So then, we, you know, you bring in Helton, who we loved and wanted everyone, you know, to, to feel what we were feeling with him and to give him a chance. And then he got the chance. And then, obviously, our AD gets replaced and you know we have a couple of successful seasons and then my senior year is is back to kind of that turmoily you know not making a bowl game as at SC which is almost unheard of and so it was it was a complete roller coaster that yeah you were there for I wouldn't say for the uh for the glory days but you were there definitely there for some good melodrama yeah, no it's it was a lot of drama it was a Rose Bowl it was a Pac-12 championship it was a drunk coach and a in a in a, a five and seven season that's that's my SC uh experience right there yeah it's fun to be a part of interesting times that's I think uh, people say something along here you're the A student you tell me yeah. what, what, what the exact <laughs> quote is but uh you know a credit you know for all the turmoil and uh uh, all the kind of negative football or athletic related stuff going on there now. And um, at USC, a credit uh, starting with Pete Carroll that um, that he embraces you a decade ago. And that's now four coaches ago. And that yep. and that 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 follow through happens all the way through Clay Helton's regime. Eh? Right. No, I mean, it's uh, it's been a, it's been obviously a, a tough decade for USC in the sense of first coming in with the sanctions and even though that was only a four-year deal on paper we all knew that was going to extend much longer than that was just hmm. how scholarships you know work and everything but um i think a lot of a lot has been developed over the last 10 years in college football i think carol is kind of the very first beginning of college football exploding so you know, all of a sudden SC becomes this kind of poster child of the explosion of college football and then gets hammered and then other teams are able to kind of bring that torch along still. So SC's looking to kind of get back in that race. And I think I think that we have obviously the talent to do so. I think we have a head coach, in my opinion, that can absolutely bring us there and cares about the program more than anyone I've ever known. Hmm. Um, but it's going to be tough. I mean, again, there is a lot of what, what comes along with the scholarships, too, of, of taking SC's 25 to 15 for four years. Guess who else gets the scholarships around SC? You know, uh, Oregon, Washington, UCLA. I mean, there's a there's a lot of ramifications that come from those sanctions that a lot of people are, you know, have, hadn't, didn't realize when they first were announced. And so it's just getting back there, and it's just getting back to just being Trojan football. And uh, we have a tough schedule this year. I think we have one of the toughest in the in the country, and I think – Based on last Who's the year. first game? Fresno? Fresno State. 
That that's not a jive game. It no. used to be a in-state walkover. Even though they were exciting, you ultimately would win the Trojans. No, I mean now, it's, it's it's going to be a very tough game. I, looking at what Fresno State did to uh, Arizona State at the end of last year, I think, and uh, just the season Fresno State had last year, they're they're not a walkover team, not at all. And then we we get to play Stanford, which we've seen what obviously Stanford continuously does year in year out. And then I, I think the most trap game of all um, this entire season is going to be third game we get to go to BYU at BYU uh, Zach Wilson that kid looked incredible last year and with our defensive backs kind of being a little we, we had a lot uh, graduate and we, so we have a you know, really young defensive back class that's gonna be an interesting game in that environment we know how how BYU gets and how big a trip is that though does that do, do, do guys say like wow it really is much harder to play a game when we're up in the mountains like this because yeah. of the air like oh, I'm yeah. really gassed and it's uh, the early third quarter yes yeah, so, I mean as as a team and any any football player or coach would would you know would be the first one to tell you you're you're never going to talk about it you know you're going to say hey I don't care if it's twenty below I don't care if the, you're on the road in the mountains I you know we're just going to play our game and that's and that's the mindset you have to take but everyone knows you're impacted by noise isn't it weird I, that's why I always because guys always will say that whether it's basketball hockey football otherwise isn't it weird that in baseball like that was always the thing for the first <laughs> decade at least of the Rockies like right. oh it's so easy to hit home runs here right shouldn't all, aren't all those teams underachieving can't can't we extrapolate that if oh it's such a home court advantage does forget playing up in the cold in Green Bay man we have the home field shouldn't the Nuggets go undefeated at home every year like people don't want to be going like you think the in muggy Miami the heat they have no chance coming no, up to I, Denver. Look, I mean, I listen. There's there's a lot of a lot of people that can obviously handle it better. I remember um, Atlanta going up there. I mean, there's there's certain people who have the sickle cell that can't play in altitude. Yeah, right. And um, so there's 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 I think definitely a, a advantage being up in altitude. I think there's an advantage in being in LA. I think or in in big cities like LA or Miami. I. I don't know what the Patriots do there Saturday nights before their Sunday games, but they can't seem to get it right in Miami. I don't know what they're doing in Miami. <laughs> I think when Oakland moves to Las Vegas next year, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how teams perform in Las Vegas. I mean, but listen, the you know, these head coaches, they... I, look, I don't know. You see how the Golden Knights played their very first season? I guess the success that's they had? True. Who knows? Who I knows what those players true, were but doing? That's in November, in an 80-game season, it's like, all right, you guys can have fun in Sin City. The, the NFL head coaches are going to be like, listen, if I hear that anybody leaves this hotel, yeah, and I, I would suspect even that the NFL teams, are the road teams, aren't even going to stay in Vegas proper, Maybe, right? Maybe. I, I, if they were smart, they wouldn't. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It happens in L.A., of course, when the, when teams come here and they play the Lakers on a Friday and the Clippers on a Sunday or vice versa, their the, their performances are pretty shoddy by that matinee at the end of no, the weekend. No, well, I'll tell you, I will tell you, we had an uh, advantage being in L.A. I remember for like the Rose Bowl game when we played my sophomore year, you know, everyone was kind of used to obviously being in L.A., but I couldn't tell you how many Rose Bowl officials say usually teams come in here and there's a couple of guys that always get in trouble because you get a team from Oklahoma, you get a team, you know, from kind of these Midwest cities that have no relation to what L.A.'s like. And then they come here and it's, holy cow, this is a big city. Uh-oh, big game. TMZ's out there, and a couple of guys get caught doing things. 
All right. So philosophically, let's get into a couple of these uh, these kind of Pac-12 or, or college football kind of issues. First of all, where USC is concerned, there's been a lot of uh, shakeup, obviously, in the last decade, like you mentioned, not just at USC. Is UCLA still clear cut the the number one rival or has Oregon or otherwise trumped that now? Um, no, I, to be honest with you, obviously, we hate UCLA because we're at the share neighborhood with them. Mm-hmm. But. I would venture to say Stanford over the last 10 years Ah. has really been kind of, in my opinion, our main rival in the sense that it goes back and forth. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers to this. I don't have in front of me, but between, you know, 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, we, I think both teams knocked each other off when they were in the top five, top 10. I mean, it, it seemed like every year one of these teams was poised to really make kind of a name for themselves that season, and the other team would come in. Well, come Carol in. and Harbaugh, that seems like only a few. I guess that was no, a while it, it, ago it was, now, but that's right. really what in, it, it instigated the whole thing. Yeah. No, I mean, it was. And so Sanford really has been kind of that, both of us. I mean, that's why it makes it kind of, a, I think, a great rivalry. We've both been, been the uh, thorn in each other's side over the last couple of years. Yeah, and UCLA had a little blip there for a couple of years. By the way. You know what? I, I'm sure it's a, the buzz of uh, the USC campus. But you know that Pete Carroll and I have a very limited history together and Rick Neuheisel. Way back when, and I think it was 2006, 2007-ish, I got them both on a conference call while I was on local radio here in Los Angeles. Okay. And I got them to agree to abandon the nonsense. I used to say, when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, see, for me, I would watch the the late November, early December football games, and it was the steel gray sky, and it was, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, and then Pitt, Penn State, and I would swoon for those games. And then later in the afternoon, this game would come on from some exotic locale, sun, a sun-baked <laughs> joint with a gorgeous, uh, pristine green grass, and both teams were their home jerseys against each other, oh, powder go. blue and... And the Cardinal in gold head to head, and they abandoned it for like 20 years. And I got them to agree to go back. But to that was your home. doing. Well, I mean, did I have a hand? Let's in take it? credit for it right here. That's, that's fine. I'll, I'll give you it. Thank I'll give. You. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Dave. I, I look. Ding, man, ding. Being out there, ringing the victory bell. No, I Damn look. Look, I I couldn't imagine us wearing white out there. That that would have looked way too ugly for me. I got to say, it's, it's something for me to. Uh, Reckon that with out there if I was wearing the white jersey in the Rose Bowl. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. I mean, it's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's sincere. You're welcome. And same to all the USC and UCL and anybody who's a, an esteet like, uh, like me. Um, so what do you say? Because here's a college football thing I always say, a conundrum. If I were a high-end, five-star recruit, I would go to Oregon State. Instead, let's say I'm a great QB. I would go to Oregon State instead of USC. If I'm a great running back, because they tailback you right. and all that talk at SC, I wouldn't go to SC because then I'm just another one. I'm a, I'm, I'm a one in the line. It's like being Anthony Davis and right. going to the Lakers. Right. Like, oh, you're just the latest good center. I'd rather go somewhere where there's no history, and therefore I go down in history as the greatest in program history. How say you? Look, I've always kind of had that same mindset, especially from a quarterback. If if you're a top recruited quarterback coming out of high school and you know you're going to a place that you're going to be a third-string quarterback, you're going to probably redshirt your freshman year, you're going to sit probably your sophomore year, maybe the guy graduates your sophomore year, but now you're in a competition now with the second-string guy, and maybe he gets it and he's a year ahead of you, so now all of a sudden you're, you're waiting to your senior year. Now, you can always transfer now, and that's becoming easier, but... At the end of the day, I really do think it it 
comes down to coaches developing. I think if I'm a, a five-star quarterback coming to high school, I see I could go to USC. I will be third string, but I know that quarterback coach could probably develop me into a player that at least when I get my chance for at least for one year, I could see myself performing at, at a better level than you know going to Oregon State where their quarterback coach might not be at the same level. So I don't know. I, I think with the transfer portal and what's becoming of kids easily going mm-hmm. from school to school, that, that decision becomes a lot less important. I guess that's fair, yeah. But and by the way, do you, you support that? I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. Why should I mean? Obviously, it's a common sense. I understand the people that uh, harumph at it because of their selfish reasons. But right. of course, yeah. I mean, you you want the best with what's for the kids, right? Of course. So if the head coaches can leave on a whim, why would the kids not right. be able to do the same thing? Right. And so, but I agree with you. I I, I think there's at least if. You say SC's, you know, a an A plus school to go to for a quarterback, and maybe Oregon State's a, a C plus school. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't go to a B plus school instead of an A plus school. Just yeah, because you might get a yourself. statue out yeah. of it. You know, nobody's putting up a statue of me running the football at USC. <laughs> right. You know, there's a backlog on those statues. Right. Right. Not, not at Oregon State. You know, right. it's just Damashek up there in a in a cool pose of some sort. You know. Right. Um, where do you come down on the state of the playoff in college football? The state of the playoff, I think that here's what I think. You take it down to two non-conference games. I don't think you allow anyone to play a non-conference game past November 1st. Okay. So especially in the SEC. I like that. I, I don't, I, you, you are stuck, stuck to your conference. It's such junk that they get away yes. with that SEC, whatever they call it, the off week. Yeah. The that they cupcake do. week. Yeah. Cupcake so, week, yeah. So I say you, you make it down to two conference games. Okay. Or non-conference games. And that way you then take the four game uh, or the 14 playoff and make it an 18 playoff. I really do think you take the champion of the five, obviously power five conferences. Right. Okay. With the, you on that. Right. Then you take, the top team in non-power, non-power five, so obviously it'd be like UCF for the last um, last uh, couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess for the yeah, right. UCF so, certainly last year, right. right? So you take so that's six, and then you have two wild cards if they come from power five or non-power five, whatever. But at least you have kind of your six standard teams that just get in. You know how they're getting in, and then you leave it up to two wild card, and you can and it still brings drama in the seedings. I mean, it's not like obviously. One has to be determined by a conference. Two has to be determined by a conference. I mean, you could put UCF two and, you know, have the Pac-12, you know, champion eight for all I care. But I'm just saying at least you have six clear cut paths because I look, I don't know why we, we're having conference championship games if, if at least one of them is not getting in. I completely agree. They are. Re- it's a weirdly redundant thing. And in a, in a lesser way, it's sort of like having a two point conversion and overtime. Right. The two-point conversion largely erases the need for overtime because if you're coming down the stretch late in a tight game, the head coach makes a decision. If you're down seven and you get in the end zone, like, are we going to go for two and try to be glorious here? Or are we right. just going to get the tie? I think that uh, that ethical choice, that uh, football morality of it is what, what is what made college football so compelling. And by by the way, I don't like all those nonsense 68 to, uh, you know, 65 final scores that, uh, that four or five overtimes yields either. Right, right. So, no, I, I, I absolutely think there just there needs to be a little more. If you're going to have a playoff, you can keep the drama with the seedings. You can keep the drama with the two right. wild card. But there do, I, I do think 
there has been a lot of inconsistency from year to year with the committee of what they're going to put in. I know they should have put UCF in last year, but then they lose their QB. So then it kind of uh, marginalized the idea, but Every decade or so, they need to put that power. F- and I, I, you know, I don't know if Boise State, if you would have put them into some sort of a playoff a decade ago, when uh, when they had their 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 uh, major sort right. of spike there, um, what would have happened? But I think if you put them in and they get whipped, then people would be like, all right, we'll see. I mean, they're fine, but but how can you properly say they are in? Division 1A or whatever they call it now, Division 1 football. But, yeah, they're, they're undefeated. But, yes, they're still not being well, considered well, for the for the well, Final Four. That's loco. That, wait, but the other teams have lost the game. But right, Well, you, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I and I don't know what this has to do with, with conferences or I don't care what else you want to, you know, chalk it up to. But to be honest with you, the you know, we're, what, four years into the, into the playoff now? Sounds right. I mean, I think over 50% of those games have been blowouts. Especially, in, especially in the uh, the first the first round of them. I mean, ever since that yeah, beginning year, I mean, there's there, there's just been a lot of blowouts, not a lot of a lot of competitive games. So, I mean, I I don't know if they're doing it doing it right by some of these teams. I I don't know, but all I, all I can say is if you're worried about putting a Boise State or a UCF and having a blowout, I mean that that's what's already happening. That that's a fair point, and also I the one thing I'll say about it is. I feel like I always like college football as a pedigree snob that I am. And uh, I, to me, there are too many playoff teams in pretty much every sport. It's too much. You don't need in NFL terms like nine and seven. It's like, all right, then you're not good enough to be in competition for the for the title. The March Madness tournament might be fun to watch. Right, and right. I know I, this is my most curmudgeonly perennial <laughs> take. It's a fun thing to watch. It is not a gauge of who the best teams no, are. No. It's ridiculous. You you spend thirty games and then and then uh, yeah, if you don't play well for forty minutes or right. this guy this team who you've never seen before, if if their sharpshooter has a hot hand that right. day, yeah, your whole season's a race. Like, all right, fun, but is it really? Uh, is this the best? Right. A- at least in college football, it used to be, and it's still kind of true. And that's my, my that's my concern about going to eight teams. Maybe the third ranked team or even the fourth ranked team can make some claim to like, yeah, we're really the best team in the country. It, the seventh best team has no claim. There's no way the seventh, uh, seventh or eighth best team in the country can say like, you know, really, we should be the best team. And we're really the best team. They don't have that claim. So I like to limit it. But I'm also a guy who says baseball should go back to two pennant champs playing a best of nine series. That would be more. I I, I don't need the wild card and all that jive. Right. Right. You know? No, I, I, I get your point. I, I get your point. I just for me. I mean, if you want to do six and give two, the top two a bye, I just think if you're going to have five major conferences and have a conference championship, you got to at least have some type of standard where you reward those five teams that won their conference. Okay, yeah, that well makes complete sense because it's very weird that you have these power fives and one of them doesn't standard yeah. to get in. I'm, I'm with you about that. Um, what about uh, – so, so then you're a Seahawks fan. I am. I'm a, I'm a huge Seahawks fan. Obviously, followed Coach Coach Carroll up there about uh, you know ten years Makes ago, sense. and uh, been to both Super Bowls. One was a lot better than the other one. Um, but no, I'm a, I'm a big Seahawks fan, big NFL fan, and so it's uh, it's really fun to obviously have a more of a rooting interest growing up in LA without the Rams and the Chargers. You know, um, you you kind of were lost with an NFL team. Well, how about that? Or do you have you made a choice of a local pro football team? Well, since I I mean since I was a Seahawks fan, I. Developed hatred towards the Rams, Good. so Good. 
I also think the Chargers are a fun team, man. They, they are very talented. They're kind of in this soccer stadium. They have more away fans than home fans. I like a, that. I know that people don't, some people bellyache about that. No, but it's, they're, they're an easy team to root for, like, on a, on a, on a weekly basis. You kind of know what, like, they're kind of these misfits in the NFL, and it's just, okay, let's let's have this kind of talented team. Let's see where they can go. I agree, and at the, at the top of the player pyramid is old Phil Rivers. Yeah. And he bucks the the 21st century uh, misconception among most quarterbacks in the NFL. They mistake themselves for senatorial candidates who can't. <laughs> oh, I can't say anything. Oh, it's, oh, if I say something, it'll get bulletin board. You're just playing football, man. It's okay to have to talk a little stuff, right. to have a little fun around. Right. But Phil Phil is impervious to those other standards, which I love. No, I I I, I think it's really easy to root for Phil. I think he. Uh, I think he in another system, I, th- I think a lot of people brought this up when uh, the Chargers played the Patriots this past um, postseason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Phil, if he was in another system than, than San Diego for all those years, probably does have a two or three Super Bowl rings. It's always one, that's one of my favorite games to play is the hypothetical, unanswerable, ultimately questions about like what if in 2004 – because the way it kind of was supposed to shake out is Eli to the Chargers, Phil to the Steelers, and Roethlisberger to the Giants. Right. How then do you shake up the Lombardi Trophy? Right. Go, Jake Olson. Um, I think Roethlisberger takes home most of those. You do? I do. If he's on the Giants, he I wins do. more Super Bowls than he does on the Steelers? Well, I, I, I'm just saying if, if that's how you shook that out, or you just laid that out, I think he ends up with more I don't think he necessarily has a better career than he has with the Steelers I'm just saying with, with what you shook up there I think he ends up the benefactor all right uh best uh, USC quarterback ever best USC quarterback ever look I I really think if if Carroll would have stayed with Barkley I think Barkley could have won at least two championships Ooh. That's a bold take, really, because you have the Heisman winner in Palmer. You have Darnold shining bright there. You have Matt Leinert winning a Heisman. Uh, if you look on the most loaded team, I think probably but, in no, my but look, lifetime. Look at this, though. Look at this. This is what I keep getting back to. Barkley, his senior year, okay, and he had Lane Kiffin, and, and, and it was interesting with, you know, obviously if Lane was there for the, you know, what do you want to say about I like your use of the but, adjective uh, interesting a lot. So. Where, if Carroll was you're there, classy. Barkley would. This is was his offense. Okay, he had Robert Woods, Marquise Lee, uh, Nelson, who's who's on Philadelphia now. Okay, Buck Allen in the right. back. He had the two tight ends, Xavier Grimble and I forget the other one. Um, so I mean, I mean that's that that is an obscene. It's insane. Offense. The amount of uh, NFL talent. An obscene there. offense with Barkley quarterback. I just, I really, and, and a good defense. I mean, that's not even including the defensive talent that's on the team. I'm just saying if, if Carroll is there, I know Carroll had a defensive mind, but he also obviously had a, a niche for picking quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators that were very successful underneath him. I think that team would have been outstanding. Well, I mean, obviously, yes. I, I, I wasn't aware that that was what Barkley was dealt in his senior year. Sheesh, that is a, a crazy roster. Um, so NFC West 2019, 
the uh, the Rams have kind of in the short term taken control of that division. But here come the Seahawks. <laughs> they in the regular season, aside from the Saints, probably were the most consistent test for the Rams, at least right. with with Russell and company there. Right. I, I just want to lay something on you here. I've already gone out there and uh, and and stuck my neck out. You know who wins that division this year? Don't say the 49ers. It's the San Francisco 49ers. Don't say the 49ers. No, it's not the 49ers. I just told you what's going to be. I I don't. Again, it's a quarterback and head coach league. Okay, so you don't like Jimmy G then. That's what I'm I just don't know if he's been proved. I don't think he's proved himself yet. I don't think he's proved himself. Well, obviously, what's he started? Eight games, nine games, something like that? So if he comes, obviously, that defense is very, 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 very talented. I, I, I. that that could be the most talented defense in the NFC West. That's correct. However, again, I don't know if Jimmy G has 16 games in his system of the consistent play that it takes to win the NFC West. Kyle Shanahan is as of 2 years ago when the Falcons are on their big run and Matt Ryan's MVP and all this stuff, everybody swooned for Kyle Shanahan. Unless that was fraudulent. At the same time by the way, that uh, the Jimmy G is people are coveting him and how do we get Jimmy G out of Foxborough and all that goes down right. and he gets dealt across and Kyle Shanahan is willing to let go of his Kirk Cousins dreams in favor of uh, of acquiring Jimmy G and they roll, they give him the big deal and everything. Right. Else. I'm with you. I get your skepticism. But unless Kyle Shanahan is wrong about Jimmy G and before that, Bill Belichick and uh, and uh, everybody over there and Josh McDaniels and everybody in, in New England, unless that's untrue, then Damashek will be proven right. Jake Olson will uh, will owe Damashek an apology. I, I will apologize. If the 49ers win the NFC West. That's bold. I, I will I would definitely apologize. I, I do not think they have Again, the consistency and talent week in and week out, week in and week out to end up. I think probably twelve and four wins NFC West. It should. I mean, it should be a, a dandy division, that's for sure. And then on the uh, AFC West side, since you talk about the Chargers a little bit, what do you think of? Uh, do you think Mahomes and company regress ever so slightly? I don't think he regresses. I think the opportunities are not there as much. He's not in as many shootouts. Ergo, he's not uh, slinging the ball for four. Quarters. Well, I think Kareem Hunt was a weapon that is very hard to replace. And I think that kind of showed after obviously what went down last season. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm obviously a fan of Mahomes. I think he is an incredible talent. Um, you know, I think that just by talking about kind of the home court uh, advantage there, I think obviously up in Arrowhead, that's a really great place to play and have a home field mm-hmm. advantage. But I don't know. I, I, I really do think the Chargers have the most talented roster in the uh, AFC West. I think that why well, I think they have the most talented roster in the AFC period. And the only sad irony would be is if Phil Rivers, who kept them afloat for so many years, if he yeah. ends up being the weak link to that, it'll it, yes. it would be a bummer no, at an end to his career because otherwise he to me, like I don't see really what's wrong with that team. As long as they can stay healthy up yeah. front of uh of seventeen, they they can make I think they really can make a, a Super Bowl run. Uh two uh two divisions of the Pac twelve who's winning those in twenty nineteen. Well I think Oregon probably wins the North. I think uh with Herbert coming back think that team is going to look very very good it's going to be kind of the uh the Oregon as we know it in kind of the high off so national powerhouse yes. level kind of yes Oregon team so I think they come out of the north the south gets really tricky uh 
I UCLA seeing that they improved. I don't think they're going to win more than eight games this year. Hmm. Um, I don't think Utah and Colorado probably win more than eight games this year. Again, Colorado underachieving given their mountainous uh, right locale. Um, Arizona could be interesting, um, but I mean. USC, again, if we're just talking about talent, I mean, they have, you know, now obviously a a second-year quarterback in JT, and they have a receiving core that he can play with that I think is second to none in the nation um, with Pittman and Amon Ra. I really think if they can just find a groove, build trust back into each other, follow Coach Helton, win a couple close road games. I, I think you really do find them rolling and have kind of that swagger back on. I, I think USC kind of is poised to take the South again. Um, most fun uh, college town in the Pac-12. Most fun college. Because USC and UCLA obviously are kind of different experiences. Well, if anybody's visited LA for any amount of time, it's not like hanging out at USC. No, it's, same. it's LA makes it. It makes it a little difficult. Where's everybody go? Everybody goes downtown, right? I, if you're I, USC, I, I don't you know where the they city. go. I just know halftime, everyone's gone. But I, I, I'm going to hate <laughs> to say this because I have a friend who went there, but it's got to be Pullman. I mean, it really has got to be Pullman. Really? Yeah. Pullman? Yeah. I That's mean, the most fun? Did you? Well, I, did I know you, I've never been, so you, how can did, I? I'll take your word for it. Did you see it. game day up there? Yeah. I mean, that was insane. I mean, I, I went up there. I stayed with him after we played there. And unfortunately, we lost my junior year. Um, but I stayed up there. And it was... They they are crazy up there. That's for sure. Well, it does... Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I think people, uh, snob, sports snobs on the East Coast, don't believe... Would, would find hard to believe is, especially... I mean, uh, the Autzen Stadium is now uh, the stuff of some legend with uh, with the crowd noise and everything else. And Pullman's, I guess, pretty well known. And people talk about night games at Arizona and Arizona State and so on and so forth. Utah's supposed to be a, a tough spot to, yes. to head into. The thing that I think people would be surprised by is... How how uh, L.A. transforms into a, a legit college football town on Saturdays when USC's at home. I mean, the it is cardinal and gold all over the stadium. The band is awesome. Over the edge of the stadium looking north, you can see downtown, and there's that big uh, torch thing from the Olympics that sets fire, and they play that. So what's that one song that they play at the start of the fourth quarter when they turn the torch on? Uh, it's it's the Beethoven. I think it's Beethoven's like... It's like it's an ancient tribal when it kicks in, and it's awesome, and the crowd is engaged just like they would be if they were in Norman, Oklahoma. No, I mean, obviously, when SC is doing well, it is it can be very, very fun and, 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 a, and a formidable place to play. I, there's no doubt about that. Just unfortunately, when we don't do well, it can turn on a dime and all of a sudden there's no one there. And it's it's the loyalty in L.A. is the loyalty in L.A. I mean, that's that's all I can say about it. And uh, you're a Lakers guy. I am a Lakers guy. Right. Um, I, I am. I you going to switch. No, no, I, I would never switch. I am a Lakers. You guy. thought about it? No, I, Six ne- I never. Ago, I never thought about, about it. it. It's just I, I, my my complaints more with just the league in general, and that it's hard to watch in regular NBA season these days. Yeah, that's true. Of hockey too, you know. It is. It is. It is. But I just, baseball. How about 162? It's too much already. Yeah, but the, you know, there's 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 a lot more parity in baseball than there is in the NBA. 
I guess, well, I think parody is a scourge. So I, I don't like parody. I know it's, it's more engaging to more people, but I don't think it's a good thing ultimately for any sport. You are a curmudgeon. That's, that's, that's a good way to describe you, David. I, how do you not think parody is good in sports? Because whenever it's, I always go back to in uh, the Incredibles. I forget. I always forget the bad guy's name. Syndrome. Syndrome I think yep. is what, oh, you know Syndrome. Okay. Yes. Uh, don't use. I, I use this line on so many. I cannot believe you're about to use this line on me. When everyone is. Yes. Super. No one. Is. No one is. Yeah. You use that a lot. I use that all the time. I use that with hyperbolic people. Why? Why are you invoking that one? I love. But that's okay, the, I, so that's I, why parody stinks. No, okay. If everybody, if everybody's <laughs> getting their fifteen minutes, and what's so special about winning? But the it whole makes thing? It, but it makes it every Sunday interesting. Where I use it is I use it with hyperbolic people, and you know, people are always like, "He was the funniest guy I've ever met." Yo, he was the coolest guy. I'm sure. like, if everyone's the funniest guy, then no one's the funniest. Guy. Yeah, those are that, those are people who lack for uh, for a vocabulary. That's all. Those people only have so many words. I, every broadcast that you ever watch in any sport, and it's a national team, they're like, we may be looking at the finest pass catcher in the <laughs> National Football League. Like, yeah, you said that last week, man. Right. And you're going to say it next week, too. Like, and that, you can't just keep applying that in a vacuum to everybody is not the best at blank in, in blank sport. You no, know? I look, I, I, I think Syndrome put it very nicely when he uh inaccurately when he said if everyone's super then no one is let me ask you this by the way you also kind of look like the more i look at you you look kind of <laughs> like do you get the the thor this is this is an unfair game because i can't retaliate you know i'm handsome the more I, the more i look at you dave the more you look like trust me just just take my word for it <laughs> devastatingly ruggedly handsome that's all you need uh, thor i appreciate that you get the thor one sometimes um hemsworth Liam Hemsworth, yeah, no, I, I'll take that. Okay. I, I will run with that one. Hemsworth and some Greg Olson in there. I'm curious as I, as uh, we kibitz here, who makes the call on your sunglasses? Um, that was really, I I after I went blind when my when I was 12, I just like. I don't know. I just I've wore glasses my whole life, obviously, because I couldn't, you know, I only had sight of one eye, and that. So you know, kind of what the what the frame is, because yeah, you right. Could... Well, I, so I was saying is, I I just wanted to continue wearing glasses, and I thought it was kind of cool, like, hey, blind guy wearing sunglasses. So I went with Ray Bans, and uh, those glasses lasted me like eight years, nine. Really? Years. Yeah. I can't keep incredible. a pair of sunglasses for a week and a half. No, it was incredible the durability on these things, and so I I, I got a new pair um, about a year and a half ago, and so yeah, I I, I guess it just. After you wear it a while, it shapes you. I hope Ray-Ban's listening right now, but I will tell you in the meantime, Head & Shoulders has been there for you yes. all the way. What's Head & Shoulders doing for what's going on now with you and uh, and your next chapter or chapters upcoming? Well, no, it was really cool to, uh, after obviously my, my last season, you know, we're looking on doing a lot of cool things. I, I've been working on a business. I, you know, been working back on my golf game and everything. And, um, you know, we, we struck this deal with Head & Shoulders for their Headstrong campaign. And it was just really a natural fit in what they wanted to get out to, you know, um, the public of that someone who goes through something, uh, adversity, no matter what it is, doesn't have to give up on their hopes and dreams, but you can be headstrong through it. Again, you can take that mindset that I talked about and continue to push through that adversity and, and continue to follow your dreams. And, uh, I, I guess I was the example they wanted to utilize for that. And it was, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful they did. And so that's, that's what we kind of teamed up together. And I think, again, it was a, a very natural fit in, in what they, wanting to help me continue to do what I've been doing my entire life, you know, and that is just inspiring people and just having my example be an example to others to say, hey, Jake's not anyone really special. He's just this guy who wasn't dealt the 
finest hand in life, but that didn't stop him. And if it didn't stop him, then it shouldn't stop me. It's it's it really uh, an interesting perspective that you have, because uh, like uh, to quote another movie with a pseudo uh, superhero, Buckaroo Banzai, he says, no matter where you go, there you are. And I imagine you don't carry around with you. I wouldn't say necessarily a burden, but sort of the the role model that you don't perceive yourself. I mean, you're a young guy. I mean, that's a lot for for like I keep saying for any human being to to um, carry that with them. But the fact that you are lucid enough to know that you you know you you can be a role model for other people and everything else, but you're you do, you you probably don't consider yourself to be exemplary necessarily. You're a guy. You want to you want to what uh, when you were twelve you wanted what twelve year old guys right. wanted, and exactly. twenty two you want what twenty two year old guys want to do. No, and and and, I, and I, again, I I don't want to be. I know it's, people sometimes can view me as this, and it, it's I, it's great, but I I don't want to kind of be this you know. Um, imaginary figure who yeah is, yeah is that's what I'm getting superpower at. that like oh like I is it okay to to, to joke with well you? like that not not of- only that no I mean I I love when people joke with me like I I always tell them uh, you know don't don't worry about you say you never offend me but I just meant more the sense of like I don't want people to think somehow I was gifted with something that everyone else isn't it's just it's a mindset I took that I wasn't gonna let blindness or adversity stop me and everyone can do that. Um, and, uh, and one last thing, our, we have a mutual pal in, uh, in Jacob Ullman yes. and, uh, I, I am sad. I was hoping I had my fingers crossed that you would show up here in your WWE championship belt I, that, you, that you recently, received. I, I, I would have brought it. I really would have brought well, it. Well, I just my- thought you would have, I, it was a test. I said to him, it's in the same way that. In the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I say the same thing to all the to the guys that get the gold jackets. You have a gold jacket. Why do you not wear it? <laughs> I mean, at minimum once a week. At minimum, conservatively. Look, they, why I, don't you just walk around I don't know in the what, belt? Now? I didn't know what kind of guy you were. You know, I didn't know if you were going to take it behind my back when I wasn't looking. You know, <laughs> you had good sense. Um, I was. They heighten senses. That's I, I what put, they say, right? The, yeah. The, oh yeah. Is that true? Uh, to an extent, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What's the, uh, that, that's, uh, I was wondering how that uh, okay. manifests itself. So it's, hearing is too, it's, it's too, um, it's too pronged. One is I do think you get better hearing. I really do. Hmm. Um, however, I do think also it has more to do with the fact that I'm never visually distracted because usually how, this is how the, I guess that makes sense. Right. right. So you're, you're look you're focused on what you're looking at in hearing where I'm just focused on what I'm hearing. So the small noise I heard that you didn't, you probably still could have heard with just your hearing. You just weren't focused on exactly Hundred percent on your hearing. I feel bad though because everybody tells me I have an annoying voice. So if that's times two for you, <laughs> you must have just sat through a torturous no, no, uh, session. No, I, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it. Uh, well, listen, it was a pleasure to get to know you a little bit, Jake Olson. And maybe if you're down to do it, a couple of items going forward. One, we'll check in with you. Some QB whispering, some Pac-12 whispering, some NFC West whispering. All, all at your discretion. And more importantly, perhaps, let's get some semblance of a long snap competition going. I would love to do all three of those. Can you spin it, though? Can you spin it real good? Oh, yeah. Like Scott Hansen was telling me that a, a, a really good high-end college-level snapper gets it to the punter in point seven. Can you do that? It's point six, point seven. Um, points. Oh, yeah. He he struggled to it's, get the point seven. Yeah, you can get the point six. No, I I don't know if I could get the point six, but it's it's because I you know for me punting wasn't ever. I I learned 
when I started learning how, learn how to long stamp, I did punting to learn. But since, since oh, I you're, was out I there you. punting, I, I didn't practice too much. But um, but no, yeah, I mean, it's it's I can whip it back there. Don't worry, I'll hurt your hands. I didn't ask you to do that. I mean, <laughs> say anything about injuries being inflicted on me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's one of the most, if not really, one of the most underrated pressure packed positions in sports. I know it's obvious. Oh, he handles the ball on there. The goalie has to stop all that. But nobody ever. T- it's, the, it's the figure skating effect for the long snapper on field goals. Yes. And the holders like the only time you'll ever be noticed is if you screw well, it up. Yep. And that has to be an immense amount of pressure with the game on the line. Yeah, and there's 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 literally no room for error either. It's uh, it's usually and, and kickers have kind of you have a little more margin for error, but even they're kind of categorizing this as well. And that you you mess up one too many times, you're you're lost your job. Yeah, right. Basically, that's exactly right. You know, um, well, your set your one A team, the Chargers, seemed to have resolved their kicker issues. For now. <laughs> By the way, this character you brought with you, I didn't care for his philosophical posture that he's allowed to root for two. At, I mean, it's one thing to say like you did the right thing. I'm gonna, I can't be a, a Rams guy because yeah. I have the Seahawks and yeah, they're in the no, same division, I, I, the same conference. This character comes in here and unironically in the span of three minutes, you were, you, you, you were there for uh, two, two minutes, two minutes. Oh, oh, real. Oh yeah. Big Rockies guy. I'm a big Cal- Colorado Rockies guy. And then just unironically a uh, second later, like, Oh yeah, I'm a huge Cubs guy. Well, no, well, get, Cubs. okay, all right. I'm no, defending no, myself, no, Jake. You're done. No, you're no, done. No, you're Daniel. Done. Get all right, this. fine. Get, get your two cents in, then I'm get defending this. myself. I'm just saying, I'll, I'll, I'll defend you here too. He does root where his heart is because he's not a he's not a bandwagon. He just is a little. I root for the Lions. He yeah, for the Lions and the Cubs. Fan. So that's that's a pretty torturous life there. Yeah. Here's here's all the deal. Right. I mean, I guess I can admire you sticking with that. Yeah. No. So I am a diehard Cubs fan. Long time loyalty, but being from Colorado and liking baseball, I like the Rockies as well. I get to say that I'm a huge Rockies fan because I think even though they're my second favorite team, I'm probably a bigger Rockies fan than most people are fans of their first favorite team. And while we're on the topic of fandoms, what are you, do you while, think you're some superhuman? While we're on the topic of fandoms, Jake asked Jake about how his baseball fandom switched. He was an Angels fan, and then all of a sudden he was a Cubs fan. So if we're talking okay, about so switching teams, if we're talking about switching teams, which he said he doesn't do earlier, that's a lie. He okay, does but, do that. Okay, so what? You, 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 you date one girl, you, you, you break up with her, and you date another girl. You don't right. date them both at once. Uh, that's, that's honor. That's, 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 that's a man, of, that's that's a man of honor. What you're, that's, that's, that's right. He's two-timing, and I won't stay in I'm that. just, That's I'm loyal to my home state, but the Cubs. That's not even first. your home state. You're born Call, in Michigan. I lived there for two weeks. But, that, I lived but it's there your for home state, weeks. though. That's not. Fine, fine. Colorado's not my home state, but it's the place that I live and I what am from. What kind of craziness so, is oh it? What, what, I mean, gracious. he's imbued himself with powers that, that normal humans can't possibly understand. I am a bigger. My second team, I care about more than you care about. <laughs> I'm saying in most what? cases, that's probably true. What? I what? watch a lot of baseball. <laughs> I think I could defend that. I'm going to listen. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you can rationalize to yeah. yourself, but the only person you're fooling here is the man in the mirror. Oh, my God. You understand? You know? That, that, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a huge I Lions like, fan. I like and your way. You traded. Fan, so. I don't necessarily – I can't imagine doing that myself. I can't imagine trading out of my loyalty to my, to my teams for another team in the same sport. But, you know, I do – the closest I come is grew up in Pittsburgh, so I'm a Pitt fan. But then I like Indiana as well. Why? 
because I went there. Okay. Right. We so were, you have your so two different fair. fandoms. No, what no, is your that's Cubs? exactly so what he, I'm saying. My dad was a Cubs fan. My grandfather was a Cubs fan. It runs in my family. So, so Dave, Dave, karma, oh, karma, karma is a you know what. Okay. So we're at the we're at the uh, this, we're at the uh, NFL draft, and Daniel does not want either his two favorite teams, the Lions and the Broncos, <laughs> to draft <laughs> specific <laughs> players in their respective positions in the first round. One was TJ Hawkinson, right? Yep. And yep. the other one was Noah Fant. And guess what? The Lions did at eight, <laughs> and the Broncos did at what? Twenty? Yeah. Twenty-one? Yep. So no comment. It was very frustrating. I, it was the funniest thing. I died over laughing because again, here's the Lions taking top ten tight end who. Uh, as we found out in their last time they went around this merry-go-round didn't end up so well. Well, I, I wish I could uh, I could wish a pox on him and have the Broncos and Lions meet in the Super Bowl, but that's I never going to happen. I would root for the happen. Lions. But that would never. That's yeah. never those two teams aren't playing. Right. And my allegiances are very are. clear. Even if I'm a huge fan of two teams, Cubs are always number one and Lions are always number one. Won't get in the way. Uh, see, I, you know how I know that this is fraudulent? Oh is because uh, The reason I know it is because you know that answer with your brain. And I can tell you that it's only a choice that your gut, that your heart can make. My it. gut would make that choice, too. That's right. You yeah. don't know what's going to be. If Indiana and Pitt play for the national championship, only then will I render a decision of where my heart is. No, Daniel, if the Lions and the Cubs were more successful as franchises, would you ever have grown the fandom shit you have for? That's so right. Absolutely. Cubs, that is absolutely. so right. The Rockies or the Broncos. Where I'm from. Absolutely. Sorry, Rockies. I wish I could root for you, but I'm, I'm a Cubs guy. But the Cubs stunk at the time. So you're like, oh, well, I guess I can afford to add on the Rocks. I don't care. I hear Mark Brady uh, telling you bad things. You didn't root for America in the, in the Olympic hockey? Are you That's kidding how me? Deep my loyalties go. Are you kidding me? In the gold, in that gold medal game that we lost in overtime, didn't, you're telling me that you no, rooted for Canada in that that's, game? That's an inaccurate and ugly story that has made the rounds. Defend yourself. But but the point is, he didn't root for America and Canada at the same time. No, but you. Well, well I'll no, tell no, you no, this. No, I did. did. Thank you. I kind of did. Here's why. Oh, damn! I tried to help <laughs> you out here. What, what are you doing to me? Uh, you'll, uh, listen, you're on the right side of history. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Here's what happened. I said. I, obviously, USA, I want to see them win. However, as a as a long time, not just hockey fan, but Pittsburgh Penguins fan, just, uh, you know, Crosby lived and died with the with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mario Lemieux and uh, and then Sidney Crosby. I said, I would like the USA to win. But I would love to see Sidney Crosby score the overtime winner. What? Because this will enhance his legacy as one of the all-time greats, and he did it. He doesn't need enhancement. You've got to be fine. You've got to be kidding me. That that's is what I just told worse you. than what I. That is worse than what I, I do. I, I, I don't know if that's worse, but it is not. That it, is worse than what I do. It's not worse. And guess what? You know what? I, here's a here's a controversial uh, statement so, that I'm going to make. So when Zach and Parise, I think that a, a, a true sports fan will relate to this and not bristle at the at the at, at, because they're wrapping themselves in uh, old glory for a second here. Yeah. Ultimately, this sports fan says black and gold over red, white, and eight, blue. Eight. So when you're telling me when Zach Parise scored that empty net goal, when Zach Parise scored that empty net goal, your first thought was. Oh my God! This is awesome. Now Sidney Crosby can Dave, win it in overtime. Dave, that was your first. Dave, we can we can end the, we can end oh we can God. end the podcast right after I say this. We could literally this is going to be the this the, is the, the out. Yeah, this is the out. Right. All right, I'll be the judge of that. All right. When every team's your favorite team, you have no favorite team.
I'd like to end it there. I wonder if people tuned out and that uh, I tried to give it a full beat there. I like that very much. That is a good one, as long as you're not accusing me of that. No, I'm not. I'm just I don't like every syndrome, team. I like one team. That's what Syndrome would have said to Daniel. Yeah. Okay, good. I now now we teams. park our cars in the same garage. I'm not, I, I hate to waste time, but I got to tell you one thing. We work here with a guy, the fantasy guy, Michael Fabiano. Get this front runner. He grow, he's about, uh, he's in between our age. He roots for UNC basketball. The New York, he's from New York, so he's a Yankees guy. He roots for the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Lakers. This, this, is, this is who this oh guy was. That's shameful. That's disgraceful. And only that allows some of the stink to wash off on Daniel. But, uh, but make no mistake, he's also disgraceful. You are anything but, though. We appreciate Head and Shoulders bringing you in here, Jake Olson. We look forward to kibitzing with you sometime down the line. And a little advice, take it, leave it, wear the championship WWE belt every day going forward. Best wishes to you with everything you're doing. Right, you don't need uh, you don't need my wishes, though. Looks like uh, you're off to a grand start and you're uh, half my age. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. It means a lot. Thanks so much for coming in, pal. Um, all right, we'll be back with more hooey and applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. Thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.